Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. What do you for me? That sounded different. It's all Welsh. What sounded different, boy? You just sounded, your accent sounded different then. Well, <laughs> like your do Welsh accent, but you're wrong. I, well, you, I reckon that Welsh people have different regions and they can sound different, different places. Well, in North Wales, it sounds like they Scousers. Wow, I am technically Scouse. Are you? Yes. We knew you were Roman. Mm. Scousers are different breed, aren't they? Ooh. We're just different We just offended all of our Liverpudlian fans. I didn't say it was um, it was bad. Just a different breed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Johnny. They're fucking Champions League winning breed. That's what well, Manx are. Manx are oddballs as well, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, Oasis people are just odd. It's something like the Northwest, but I think that's probably why they create so many good artists. Mm. You know, yeah, so many good artists oh. come out from the Northwest. I think all the best football teams in the land are up that way. We are at the moment. Not currently. Some are. Some are, some are not so much. Like Manu, not so much. Yeah, you can't really include them in that, mate. Not now, no. No, you can't. I've been out there up north. We are confined to history. Do um, Exeter have a football club, mate? Yes. Do they? Oh, yeah, Exeter Town. Yeah. yeah, Exeter City. Oh, sorry, I didn't realise it was that big. Well, they're like six divisions at the moment. Uh, second? He doesn't really? even know Boyle. No, second, I think. <sighs> okay. Well, that's the end of that football chat then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't know, want a coffee machine? <laughs> mm. Oh, you, yeah, because you've turned into some internet mogul now for selling. selling Johnny Delboy Lewis. Do you, want, do, you want, <laughs> do you want to throw out your website address, mate? <laughs> Just. Add him on Facebook if you want to buy a watch or a yeah. soup maker. Mar- marketplace on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, soup maker and the watches are sold to the Canada. Oh, no. I really wanted that soup maker as well. I think we've got a French press. Oh, that's the worst way to make coffee. Some months, eh? Gross. It is, yeah. If you're, good, if you're going to brew fresh beans, eh, beans? Fresh, fresh beans, fresh beans, then it has to be a filter of some sort. Um, preferably some sort of V60 um, or a Chemex I would not be using or an Aeropress but I would not be using a cafetiere or a French press because it's just oh, overbrewed dirty yeah and gay <laughs> so bigoted Johnny are we, are we recording just, just to say are we we are we're, yes we're Johnny just that's, that's why I would rather my wife did not perk up in the background saying shit because everyone's now going to listen to this it's funny or tell her to say it again. No. I'm strategically muting. Yeah, he is. On an off lot. Oh, well, yeah. anyway. Say it again. Well, come no. on, do your introduction. Look, we're in. We're already been recording. This is episode 108. Um, if you're listening this week, last week was Tanya's episode. Tanya Filer. Great episode. You two haven't even heard that yet. Actually, you no. might have listened, Johnny, actually. No, I haven't, actually. All right. Ain't going to, but I haven't. Well, that was a letdown then. Yeah, it was. So, this is episode 108. Um, 
we've got a topic today, which I'll come on to in a moment, but at the, at the moment we'll just find out what you two boys have been up to, because everyone likes to know what Johnny's been doing. Not so much Paul, because he lives a very boring lifestyle. But Well, it's not, is it, this week? Oh, no, it's not. Come on, let's talk about it. Right. Shall I go first, Johnny? Yeah, crack on. Well, I had... Me and my partner had our 12-week scan, so we're going to be a dad. Joining Johnny and Brett in the dad gang. So yes, a 12-week scan. Baby is healthy and growing and due on Christmas Day. Which oh, nice. is amazing. Little Jesus. Um, my friend's girlfriend, no wife now, has her birthday on Christmas Day. She fucking hates it. Well, ironically, Kate's mum also has a birthday on Christmas Day, but chooses to celebrate it in June. Why not? Why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Well, the... Sorry? Can't hear you. <laughs> but, which, which, no, right, Johnny was about to talk. Go on, Johnny. Is this, is this Kate's first or second? This would be th- her third. Oh, so then she'd probably be bang on a day as well. Oh, that's yeah. it. Christmas Day it is. I reckon early. You reckon? Mm. I reckon I reckon Christmas Eve. Yeah. I reckon it's going to ruin your Christmas Day. She'll, yeah, that's what she's like. I better I'm on it so I can have my Christmas dinner. I'm like, oh, Here's, here's a bit of advice. Take food and drink and just sit elsewhere away from it. Watch yeah. it or something. Because you'd be of no use. Johnny... Johnny, come on. Emotional support. Yeah, yeah, emotional support, but physical support, pointless. I, I think, I think Johnny, what you're trying I to say... Three. <laughs> two. <laughs> well, I think what Johnny's trying to say is the man is very much a lot of use to the woman. However, you do feel like an absolute lemon because you're literally just standing around. Yeah. I, I, I said, you know, I tried to hold hands. She basically said, F off. Get the fuck off me. Get You've done enough me. damage. So I, so I said then, okay, lethal weapons on. I'll go and watch that. <laughs> I, I stayed with Jenny the entire time. I was there in the room, literally two yards away, because we had a nice room, TV. So I watched that. Oh, we didn't have a TV, I don't think. We were in, did you ever, we had a water birth, though. Did you have a water birth? Well, we went, did one, but then it ended up in that. Oh. oh, yes, I remember, actually, now. Yeah, we'll we, we were lucky to still have one. As that's what Jenna wanted, but there was no TV. There was kind of nice, relaxing music and like stars all over the ceiling, though. Which, to be fair, didn't lend itself very well to me trying to stay awake. No whale music. Um, not necessarily whale music. What are you trying to say? She looked like a whale. No whale music is relaxing. Oh right, sorry. In all fairness, women who were playing it looked like ducks more than whales. Mm. <laughs> yeah, fair point. As I know currently, bear in mind we are thirty-seven weeks tomorrow. Are you, that, are you that far gone, you? That far gone, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Any time, mate. 37 weeks, apparently, they're fully cooked. So, fully cooked, ready to come out. Yeah. You know the sex? Yes, another girl. Oh. I know. I, I wanted a boy. I really wanted a boy. But is what it is, isn't it? You can't control that stuff. No. But you Paul, are you going to find out? I reckon you will be able to future. Yes, though. we are finding out. It's easier. I think it's easier. And I, I've yeah. always said, like, it's a surprise whether you find out now or find out later. It's still, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah. don't you want a surprise? Well, h- hardly, like, not a surprise when I find out, is it? 
It's only fifty-fifty, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, make no mistake. There's no more than two genders. <laughs> that is a podcast for another time. Um, uh, so, so that's been my news. I'm going to be a dad. Can't pop that news. That is fantastic. Yeah, I can't really say much is better than that, really. Although I did, um, although it's a week ago now, but when you're listening to this, uh, it'll be two weeks ago. Um, I did finish a 47 mile walk, which is pretty impressive, just not as impressive as obviously being a dad for the first time. But That's an impressive walk. What I will say is, and those that listened to last week's episode with Tanya, where I where Ed brought it up and I talked about it, I said it's just walking. Now, I was reminded of that fact numerous times, probably over a dozen times during the walk, about how retarded it was for me to say, and I don't know if I can even use the word retarded because I appreciate that's quite offensive, but how retarded I was for saying it's just walking. <laughs> it depends on the growth Do you regret it? Yeah, I do regret it. And Johnny, yes, you're right. That's the problem. The terrain absolutely killed me. Um, like shingle and on sand is just such a different thing as just walking on concrete and yeah, it was on a road a bit piece, piece of piss really wouldn't it yeah well it was bits on like wooden jetty there was bits going into local villages and then back out to the beach but a lot of it was on the beach there was a seven mile or six seven mile stretch between a place called Weybourne and no Clay and Weybourne uh, Clay I think it's pronounced actually but spelled like Clay Clay yeah with an E not an E um and it was like 2 a.m. that stretch. That was that's the time frame. And pitch black. Can't see anything more than what you obviously got. You can see with a torch. Um, through very heavy shingle for that many miles. You've already. I'd already walked about 25 miles. I'll be honest. I was at a very low point at that point, and I could have given up <laughs> there and then. If I had a way out, I would have done. I'd have given up. Did you actually like, cry at any point? Near, I was. There was a. There was a bit after about 20 miles where we'd been walking from about 12 hours I think I think it was about 10 o'clock at night so we started at quarter past 10 or something and there was a bit going through kind of not quite marshlands but sort of a little bit like marshlands um, and I'll be honest that I, I, t- I thought I had a little bit of sunstroke because I got a little bit sunburned during the day um, I think I was a little bit dehydrated because I could kind of feel my quad starting to cramp a little bit and I think it was to do with dehydration maybe the sunstroke as well also, I thought to myself, it was a silly idea to have done legs two day or a day and a half earlier, um, yeah. thinking that that'll be all right. It's only walking in it. Oh, so yeah, I was at a very low point where I was really starting to get anxious, thinking this is about twenty two miles in. I don't think I can grind this out for another twenty five miles. Like, I just don't think I can do it. And I thought I can. I'm gonna have to give up. I'm literally gonna have to stop. And then you know what a failure I'm gonna be. All these people that are giving money to the charity, I'm not gonna be able to complete it. Oh my days. But I had a bottle of Lucasade, had a coffee. So the next stop, lucky enough, was there was a coffee van that had bit, that had purposely come out to us and made us all drinks and stuff. And I had about seven chocolate hobnobs, sorted me out, right treat. I literally had a like a U-turn. I went from on death's door to like bouncing around and like super excited. So yeah, I'm like a massive recovery. If you ever seen, if you ever watched the Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight, yes. Did you yeah. see the last round when Wilder laid him out? And obviously, yes, it became the Undertaker. Yes, exactly. Get to the nine count, and obviously, watching Tyson Fury get up—that's what I was like. I was literally the same, like just out of nowhere, just rising from the dead. Because <laughs> yeah, when people talk about intra workout, they like they don't really understand. It doesn't make any difference when you're doing weight training, but when you do things like that, you can feel the difference. Any endurance sport like that, 
intra-workout are the bollocks. When, when you're, even though it's only walking, obviously your oxidation rates are um, very highly skewed towards fats, obviously. But I think because I trained legs previously, might have been a little bit depleted still. Don't know, probably not. But either way, like, I was obviously tired. I think even just the walking maybe felt maybe feel a little bit depleted, and I could just feel my legs starting to cramp, or just not wanting to play play the game. So um, that was not ideal. But I will say, an absolutely huge sense of achievement and relief when I was done. Uh, like it's nineteen hours straight walking, basically give or take. Obviously, the odd stop for either food or like a ten minute break for drinks and stuff, or five minute break for drinks. Um, and I will say it was the hardest thing I've probably ever done physically. How many steps was it? One hundred and ten thousand. Nice. Yeah, I was really gutted though because at midday, uh, sorry, midnight, obviously it reset itself. So we start, I think I ended at like the midnight at 77,000 then did another 35, I think, by the time 6am came around when we finished. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd recommend it. At least the Norfolk or the North Norfolk coastal sites got some really nice views and, you know, you get to see the sun go down and sunrise and stuff. And that's quite cool. So. But it puts in perspective when people do like 30 marathons in 30 days. Like, yeah. Well, like... We spoke before about Ezzy Izzard doing 49 and 49, something like that. Madness, that is, isn't yeah, it? it's mad. It's, it's crazy. I, I did say to the, the, one of the people leaders that were leading us, she was an ultramarathon runner. And I said, I don't know how you do this running. And she said, actually, it's like different because, although it's obviously like, you know, you might be doing 50 miles. She said, it's just different because the time on your feet compared to obviously running it. She said yeah. it's just so different. Just the, 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 there's something about the time just being on your feet that that amount of time um, over like 19 hours. Is, she just said it's just it's a whole different thing. Albeit, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sure she wasn't saying it was easier to run 50 miles necessarily. But I think with them, well, they're they're on, you know, relatively decent services, isn't they? All the time, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, that's the thing. That, so yeah, I absolutely agree. The terrain was the was the the killer point. Yeah. I didn't get many blisters. I got one blister on my little toe, about four or five miles to go, and that was all right. Like that didn't really make me suffer too much. And I think um, I didn't have to have any foot treatment the rest of the time. Or they were like masseurs or masseuses, masseurs, masseurs, masseuses, masseuses. There was masseuse, masseuse boot that hoose around that um, could obviously treat certain things or just give you a massage and just try and recuperate a bit. But I didn't have to have any of that. So yeah, all in all. Did all right in the end, I think, all in all. So there was plenty of people that uh, pulled out. Plenty of people stopped. I think the major killer's going to be blisters. You get a blister 10 miles in, you're stuffed. Like, you're not you're not surviving that. I think that was the main reason most people... You need to phone David Gargans up. Yeah. He's... Say, you're blistering my foot, what do I do? And you would say, carry on, your big puff. Probably. I'm not sure I'd use the word puff, but... Not baby, then. Probably baby, yeah. I, do you know what I thought to myself? Like, you know you watch his videos where he's obviously like ranting about run, like carrying on and not giving up. Who's running with him, filming him? Or is he? Or is it like his missus in a car or something? I think he says in his book that he talks with his missus coming out and doing stuff with him. Like, oh, I was going to say, because you think to yourself, the, whoever's running in the car, I was thinking, oh, it's not running the car. Sorry, who's running beside him if it's not in a car? Thinking they don't get any credit for fucking running beside him, do they? No. The guys. Have you read his book? I haven't. Fucking what an animal of a man! I do follow him on Instagram though. If you listen to his background of a cigar, how can you go through that and come up like he has like? I know. It's still a man, absolute animal. Went through hell a week three times. Mm-hmm. Mad. Yeah. He's an inspiration to all of us. I think he's great. Much like you two. 
inspiration to me and the rest of us. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Do I inspire you to um, go and buy a coffee machine? No, I'm all right, mate. That's also not a particularly great way of having coffee, albeit better than a, an instant uh, form of coffee. I don't mind instant. I'm not a big fan of the pods. Yeah, I'm instant. Uh, a certain cooth. Do a bean, uh, a bean to cup coffee maker. If I have that black, it destroys my stomach. Bloats me. Yeah, sports. Yeah, put them. Yeah, put milk in it all. It's totally different. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Weird. Very weird. Um, yeah. Well, we thought talking shit really. Yeah, that's just what happens, generally, isn't it? Uh, so today, shall we get on topic? Should we get on what we want to talk about? Yeah. Why right. not? So, Johnny, what did you have for tea? Funny enough, I had pasta, which makes you go faster, obviously. 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 Bolognese in a jar. Yeah. It was yeah. low sugar, uh, lower. Obviously, you know, sugar's the root of obesity, so... Partly, yeah. Um, so the gurus will tell you. Um, five percent beef mince. I think you, you, as in five percent fat, not five percent of it was beef. Yeah, like ninety five percent of it was like I don't know. Yeah, cooked. Yeah. I, I would be. So yeah, five percent beef mince, five percent fat content, which I then drained out of the pan into the sink so it might be less than 95% then because you drain some of it wow that is a tip and a half for anyone dieting that's true I wonder how much it saves I don't know maybe a couple of percent I don't know might do when you're, when you're that extremely lean it could be the difference it could be so just out of interest Johnny how much mince was in that spaghetti bolognese well it made well it's basically made three portions so it was 500 500 grams so of uncooked. So that's 166 wait. grams of raw beef, assuming it was uh, partitioned evenly? Yes, pretty much. Okay. That's that's quite a lot. How many times a week might you have that amount of red meat? To be honest, I don't have it that much because I don't gravitate to red meat really. I don't like steak really that much because everybody seems to wreck it. Um, on average, Twice a month. Twice maybe. a month. Wow. Okay. What about um, any other types of of uh, red slash processed meat? Do you eat ham by any chance, or bacon, no. or sausages? No. Fuck's really. sake, Johnny. Play the game. I've chicken sausages. <laughs> I have sometimes have pork sausages, but that's like only because I look at pork sausages. I think there's horrific calories and it's tiny volumes. I think I don't bother. I'm a bit like that with sausages, actually. Enough. If I'm staying away, I always leave, always, always leave the pork sausages and a hotel breakfast and just stick yeah. to bacon because yeah. I'm I'm use their shit anyway. Let's be honest. Hotels always use shit pork or shit quality sausages, so easily leave them. Um, okay, chicken sausage I think counts as processed because they're still a sausage. Um, well, on average, I'll probably eat red meat of some description once a week. Yeah. On average. And maybe some form of processed meat as well. Mm. I, I'll have some weird for thin, ha- thin ham if Liza's having some. And then I'll pick some off her, maybe. 
Well, people might be thinking, what is he on about? Why does he keep asking Johnny about his dietary uh, or his, his habitual dietary intake of red slash processed meat? Well, that's because this very day I was triggered. I was triggered by a program that was called, the, I think it was something like the War Against Red Meat. And obviously, the being the evidence-based nutritionistologists that we are, um, that is definitely enough to make me think, what the fuck, as soon as I hear that phrase. So I thought I had to watch this, so I watched it. And essentially, it was, um, and I quote, uh, evidence-based program. So they were, they were referencing research and science, and essentially telling people in the street, or asking how much red meat or slash red meat processed meat did they eat, and then um, trying to advise them how much they should eat. Do you to, either of you two know how much the NHS guidelines are and recommended amounts of uh, red meat slash processed meat? Do you want me to guess? You can guess. How much a day they recommend you have? Per day. That's going to be something small probably, isn't it? 70 grams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Johnny. Wow, it's, it's almost like you knew, honestly. It's like something like 70 grams. It is 70 grams. Wow. Aww. Now, Paul, how much is 70 grams equivalent in, say, sausages? I'd hazard a guess and say maybe one. I think it's about one sausage. It's almost like you knew as well. Mm. So uncanny. Um, how about bacon? Should we, should we quantify it in bacon? Bacon, you got me. Maybe... I don't know. I only ever really buy sausages. Medallions. Oh, me too. Me too. And let's be honest, my denomination in medallions is per medallion, not in weight. But seventy grams of bacon. Does Maybe I don't. Know. I'd be honest, I don't even know. I'm guessing it's probably two or three. You know, based on the weight of a sausage being about seventy. Two pounds. thin cut slices of rashers. They reckon yeah. is hundred and thirty. Well, there you go. So, and Johnny's obviously red meat uh, example. Obviously, 133. Oh, sorry, 166 grams, wasn't it? It was. That is uh, already near or over two times your daily recommended intake. He's now had. So it is a good job, Johnny, that you only have it once a month. Otherwise, you would be suffering from severe diseases slash illnesses. Could I even be dead? You could. Maybe? Te- you could potentially be dead by having that amount of meat. Mm. Mm. do you think that's extreme I think it might be a bit extreme personally just because anecdotally I've eaten more mince than that and I'm not dead so yeah there's that thing in it it's like there's always something extreme in it it's always this one thing that's causing all the health issues issues and people just like to make stupid programs about it they do usually idiots Because I'm in a cell, probably. This this is why I'm so triggered, Johnny. This is why I'm so triggered, because I thought to myself, do you know what, that just doesn't sound right. I mean, I know that I eat way more than that, and I'm not dead, so this doesn't sound right to me. So um, I thought it would be a great topic to talk about today, to basically just kind of bust some myths about red meat and processed meat. So I think the first... So obviously we know... Uh, how much the NHS are basically saying that we should be consuming, which seems like quite a lot. And it's basically because otherwise 
they are saying that our in, we have an increased risk of bowel cancer or colorectal cancer. So, which isn't a good thing. Well, it's a good thing that we have low risk, but it isn't a good thing to get it. So we probably ideally like to, to stay away from getting any type of cancer. But um, we're going to talk specifically about bowel cancer because that's what is mostly related to red meat and processed meat consumption. Um, I think my one of my major beats immediately is why why are those two put together? As in, why are they always like classified together as, as both being unhealthy? Because surely you can't compare a nice lovely lean cut of fillet steak compared to a processed sausage i like that you used your main beef puns it puns johnny you're muted well that was silly wasn't it that was silly wasn't it Boyle? almost as silly as eating a life-threatening amount of mince in one go yeah the thing is though the people who make these programs are usually Overweight for one, which is going to increase your all-cause mortality risk anyway. They probably don't do anything. Sorry, mate. When you say the people overweight, you mean not the actual people making the program. You mean the people that they're referring to might be eating too much red meat, as in those people overweight. Both. (laughs) You're making it sound (laughs) as all TV producers are overweight, and that's why they make films. Let's put it, most of the people who take these things as gospel... And shout and rant and rave when they generally got no idea at all about health, nutrition. Are usually the ones who sit in their ass all day, don't do anything, don't go to the gym, eat loads of shit, and they think, hmm, maybe it's just this red meat that's destroying my health, not the fact that I'm forty percent body fat and I don't do anything. And then it's like, well, really, yeah. same when it's like. To your problems, you'll prey on people's, oh, it's that one thing that's going to cause cancer. Well, it's like, how old are you? Five. How would you believe this shit? Honest to God. Well, it's got to be a bit of sense both ways, isn't it? Yeah. And you, I mean, you're, you're spoiling most of our anecdotes or content, oh, but don't worry, John. It's, it's, it's all right. You've <laughs> me as well. So just, yeah, clearly, but then very, very little doesn't trigger you. Let's be honest, Johnny. Not very articulate either. So it maybe comes out like wrong, but whatever. No. Um, I think it comes out right. So just I want to go back to the, the question then. So why why do they lump red meat and processed meat together as an issue or a problem? Probably because it's easier to make assumptions. Um, it's easier to make assumptions about it. Because it's all together, red meat to be our red meat done. Mm. So, like, this <clears throat> more controversial, maybe. Because if they said, oh, look, if you're eating loads of sausages, loads of shitty red meat from McDonald's, you, you might get health issues. You know what I mean? And they say, oh, is that lovely steak you've had from an organic farm or whatever, you know, from grass fed cows, which, you know, the US love. Um, you're going to get cancer as well. It's like they've got an, they've got some sort of agenda in there somewhere along the line. Mm. That's the why. What you know? Are they vegans? <laughs> Maybe. I, don't you know know. What I, mean? I think it's just easier to go like all red meat is this. Yeah. It's just what were you going to say, Paul? I was going to say well, the sweeping statement seems that is easier to be made, isn't it? If 
So whatever they're studying, in the, all the cases of the colorectal cancer and stuff like that, I guess the large proponent of those are going to be non-health-seeking individuals. So the red meat in that tends to be of the, well, I mean, everything that's not dilly-dally around, everything is processed, unless you're slaughtering a cow, even though you're processing it slightly in that way, filleting or slaughtering it, butchering it and eating it straight off there. And everything you eat, your mince, is has gone through a process to get you. But then, obviously, non-health-seeking individuals tend to eat that red meat in burgers and deli meats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, as as a statement, I guess that's the way they're going. I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, what what I do know is that so we've talked about the increase of risk to colorectal cancer. Um, I know a lot of the statistics or the the stuff that kind of we we spout or talk about, and certainly this program we talked about comes from the World Cancer Research Fund, um, and they in two thousand eleven, uh, I think when I was doing a little bit of research for this, I think I I, I saw that there was a um, a report. I think it's probably the best way to describe it. A report that was done um, that basically analysed ninety nine studies from across the world. Um, and this was to do with the with diet, nutrition, physical activity, and, and, and basically associated colorectal cancer. So just basically looking into some of the, the causes that might influence our uh, uh, chances of, of, of developing colorectal cancer or not. Uh, and basically then to be able to obviously provide some recommendations on treatments. So I know that a lot of those studies, and obviously I've not gone through 99 studies, so forgive me if that doesn't come across as particularly evidence-based, but... Um, I haven't had the time to go through and see them all. However, um, all of the studies that I've seen previously and a few that I did flick through were all like cohort studies or epidemiological studies where they've essentially just retrospectively surveyed people um, over time to, to ask them, you know, what are their eating habits like, what types of food they ate, the frequency, that type of stuff. And obviously loads of other, other things as well of, of lifestyle factors. So. Um, exercise and, and other like sleep and all of the things that you would probably expect them to re- ask for. Now the stuff where they did ask around um, recalling dietary habits, red meat and processed meat were essentially put on the same box. And I don't know why necessarily that was, but basically it said, like, "Did you do you eat red meat once a day, say frequency?" And it was all red meat, processed meat once a day. So some would tick it if they did, or once a week, or whatever the frequency was. But obviously that then doesn't distinguish whether people are eating, you know, organic grass-fed steak, as Johnny said, or whether they're eating um, your Tesco-valued sausages, say. Which I think then means it's obviously very difficult to be able to make a fair, true conclusion or comparison if you're trying to decide that that particular variable is the thing that is potentially affecting the rates of colorectal cancer in people. Make sense? Yes. Yeah, makes sense, yeah. Definitely. It just, and I guess, like Johnny, you've already said a few things around it. Um, and that, that's what I probably just implied. That it's kind of like, well, the, these studies are cohorts, or you know, like essentially, as I say, um, historical surveys. How how can you possibly draw a conclusion to say that this causes this from something like that? What they should be saying is, we've looked at this, we've studied this. We have found there is a correlation of people who have, I don't know, higher risks of cancer and the this red meat. There needs to be 
more accurate and better quality studies done to assess the actual risk over a prolonged period of time across, because it's going to have to be across like 40 years, isn't it, or 50 years in reality. Go right. Uh, Will they even ethically let you do that? You eat loads of red meat and see if you get cancer. They'd have to do it a certain way, wouldn't they? Yeah. You can't, people, people can't remember what they eat, what they ate this morning, let alone what they ate a month ago. So I think it's going to be basically, it should be a study where they go, right, there needs to be more research done, but we have found correlation of this and this, and it doesn't prove anything, and it doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's, what's, what's the famous one? When um, ice cream sales go up in LA, murders go up. So ice cream causes murders. Uh, it doesn't exactly like that. But. Yeah, that's no, that, that, that's exactly the bang on point. It's, the outcome should be it's a correlation. We need to put more research into it. And like you said, Johnny, I don't think we're ever going to really get clinical trials um, that are going to be able to assess properly the causative approach of stuff like this because you'd have to, like you say, get you know enough people to, to obviously get rid of um, sample size bias. You'd have to then stick them in a clinic for you know longer than you'd ever be able to, i.e., you know potentially decades, and you'd have to then feed one group red meat, you know, like nice fillet steak, something like that. You have to feed the other group sausages every day, and you know it's unlikely it really happen, is it? But again, even in those cases, that is still impossible to prove. Because once that person, say the person in group A gets cancer, you can't stop that and go back. Each person is obviously individual. So maybe they were going to get cancer anyway. Mm-hmm. No? Like, I, there's some statistic, obviously, uh, statistics here. They were saying, obviously, red meat hasn't actually yet, has not yet been established as the cause of cancer. It's obviously the association, which again, health-seeking people, blah, 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 non-health-seeking people, sedentary, eating lots of burgers. Um, diets high in red meat could be, could be, air quoting, responsible for 50,000 cancer deaths per year. Obviously, we've seen all the scaremongering tactics of saying like bacon is on the same carcinogenic scale as smoking. But then the contrast with that is you have, say, one million cancer deaths a year. 600,000 deaths due to alcohol consumption and more than 200,000 to air pollution. Mm. So the numbers of red meat deaths is obviously, I mean, I'm not downplaying them because everybody should be health-seeking and um, eating appropriately. But when you put those numbers together, if you're saying that one million smoking deaths, what what is the proportion of people that are eating red meat and smoking? Well, this is it. This is why, again, things like cohorts or epidermological studies are very difficult to really, or, or you shouldn't really place a huge amount of weighting in terms of their, their findings because in by, by nature or by essence, it has to be correlative and not causative. So you can only say there is an association. And there's just so many variables. It almost makes the the data and the actual associations almost null and void, because, like you said, you, we don't know how many people there that were eating increased um, amounts of or higher amounts of processed meat compared to even red meat. Let alone then which ones of those were also smoking, as you say, which one of those weren't exercising, which one of those were drinking too much, which which one of those didn't consume enough fibre, which one of those didn't consume enough micronutrients or phytonutrients. Um, yeah. 
which of those had high stress environment, high stress life, didn't sleep enough. It just there's so many factors there. Which on age, yeah, on age. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we we know that cancer is primarily caused by age degeneration, as in like the older you are, the more like you are going to get genes that mutate or malfunction. Um, so cancer is really an aging disease. Like I, I'm not an expert, so I might be speaking that term slightly, but the understanding is that a lot of cancers are just basically caused through age as we get older and our genes kind of mutate or, or change and, you know, and possibly sedentary. Yeah. But then obviously there's things that then either cause that to accelerate or might cause that to happen like carcinogens or whatever. Like there obviously are other causes, but we know like predominantly like you could basically, you can live the healthiest lifestyle ever. And as you get older, you might still develop a form of cancer because like you say, it's just inevitable for some people. Um, yes. Granddad did actually. Yeah. And he was very health seeking, played football professionally. Never smoked, never drank. Yeah. Did eat fair bit of red meat occasionally. I mean, I suppose like you could hypothesize that if everyone lived long enough and they didn't die from other things, everyone might develop cancer at some point. Mm. Who knows? I found a couple of statistics from Cancer Research UK. So we base, if you go like this, <clears throat> UK is getting fatter all the time, mm-hmm. just like the US and Australia. <clears throat> we generally more stressed because we work more because there's more focus on work than there is in a lot of countries. Um, so by the fact that we are all fat that we probably do less exercise and we eat too much. We know there's a drink culture in the UK where people are so childish they can't go out and not get slammed every weekend. So think think of that and think of these statistics. UK incidence of cancer is ranked higher than two thirds of Europe. So we know well, if you go away, Europeans tend to be smaller. Think of the French, Italians, all them smaller. They eat with their families. They don't drink to excess. Obviously, you've still got the smoking thing. They're generally less stressed. I mean, Spanish get like siestas in the middle of the day. Um, factories I worked in, you go to Italy, you're allowed to have a drink or two at dinner time because they know they're not morons. Like us in the UK, we'll have a drink, we'll have one drink, so you can tell they drink in moderation. So, the UK instance is ranked higher than 90% of the world. So, obviously the world is a huge place. Like, um, <clears throat> we think of the Chinese, India, all the tribes around the world, and they don't make up a, a lot. But compare our fatness to them, our culture to theirs, the drinking habits, the smoking habits, the stupid things we do, um, what's the other one? Um, 70 million new cases of cancer worldwide in 2018. So by 2040, there'll be 27.5 million. Wow. So if you went, you can't, this is just, you know, the US, Australia, and the UK, three of the fattest nations on the planet. So <clears throat> we know they're getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And fatter and fatter and less healthy in general, so cancer cases are going, are going up. So can, are they going to contribute? Are they going to uh, attribute that to just red meat, not the lifestyle that we live in the UK for one? We're a developed country, one of the richest countries in the world, and we still get ninety percent more cancer cases than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. I definitely so think it's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I, I definitely think that you are right to point out all of those other factors as 
more likely probable causes than necessarily specifically. I mean, don't wrong. We're not suggesting that it doesn't have an effect, but I think they're more likely the more probable causes. A lot of things you've said that will, will probably lend itself to those increased uh, ch- chances or, account- or occurrences of colorectal cancer or even other types of cancers than um, than the red meat or processed meat. But just on that, so the NHS has said that one in 15 males and one in 18 females born after 1960 in the UK um, have a, have uh, or will be diagnosed as having colorectal or bowel cancer. So that's basically 7% for males, 6% for females, which seems like a reasonable percentage. You know, if you think one, if you know 15 people, one of you are, are going to, or 15 males, one of you are going to have colorectal cancer. Um, which is a bit scary, you know. It's not a small figure, but then, you know, you hear the, the the statistic of one in three will have any type of cancer. That's obviously even scarier. But um, so seven percent for males. Um, the reason I want to bring that up is because um, the relative risk, according to the same paper that I referenced, the um, uh, what was it called? The the continuous update project in two thousand eleven. So according to that, so that paper, uh, food, nutrition, physical activity, and professional cancer, that says that by consuming over the recommended amount um, of 70 grams, or where was it, studies show a 17% increased risk per 100 grams of red meat per day. So consuming over and then consuming, say, 100 grams per day, so which is still quite a small amount, I suppose, but that is a 17% increased risk and that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Yes. Why is it not as much as it may sound? Because it's, what do you say, 18%. 17. Because it's 17% on the 6%, not 17% in total. So 17% on the 6% is like, what, 1% well in total. So it's like, you know, it goes from like 6 to 7%. Rather than 6 to 23. Yeah. So that's the thing, isn't it? I mean... <clears throat> If it was actually that, I mean, if you smoked, you you would a bit overweight, and you ate red meat, you'd literally die of cancer, hundred percent guaranteed, because the risks of all them together would be like, I don't know, God knows what. Mm. That's the thing that that is why people think, oh my God, it's so scary. It's like it with everything. It's like everything you do is is the risk, isn't it? It's just what is the actual risk, not the headline risk. Yeah, it's a difference between. <clears throat> so it's different between absolute and relative risk, isn't it? Like absolute risk is the absolute percentage of chance of you getting developing something, and then the relative risk is that increase or decrease based on that absolute. Yeah, and the fact is, we said before, some people will just have cancer regardless of what they do in life. But as long as you are living as healthy as you possibly can possibly be, drinking moderation or not at all, you shouldn't smoke ever at all because it's no use to you at all. Be, a, be a, a healthy weight, exercise, spend time with family, try not to be too stressed. I know that's hard to do, but sleep. Oh, yeah, sleep. All those things together are going to dramatically re- reduce your cancer risk, but doesn't mean it's going to stop it if you're genetically prone to it. It's like, didn't Mark say, but it's a scale of one to ten. It's like a smoker. You may start on <clears throat> one. Smoke 20 a day, but only ever get to six, which may be, I don't know, you've got a bit of a cough. Say that's six and 10 being lung cancer and death. 
but you maybe someone who starts on six smokes ten a day for ten years and has lung cancer. But it's like that's what people don't think is genetics. That's why the other people, oh yeah, but my I know someone who died at thirty from, and she was you know in the gym all the time. I might was a point training and like that. I do think that people think you must be retarded for one. You thick. So they, they use that as an excuse and to go right, oh, I'm a week whatever I want, do whatever I want, because I'm going to die anyway. Yeah, you are going to die anyway. But the fact is, just use your brain, in it? True. Like you're given a gun at birth. Yeah. To you, depending on how many bullets you load in it. Yeah. And point at yourself. It's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, like, you know, it's like children, unfortunately, some moment get cancer, it's so young, and it's so, such a small percentage, but... You know, the fact is, you know, they have lived long enough to be healthy or not, are they? So it's like, you're either going to have it or you're not, but you just increase your risk over time by doing stupid things. Yeah. Agreed. So just for people that aren't aware, because we haven't really said this, maybe we should start with this, but red meat. So the term red meat refers to beef, pork, lamb, and goat. So I just thought it's worthwhile, because some people... Um, wouldn't necessarily even think of pork, say, as red meat, would you? A lot of people think, oh, I don't realise that pork was red, because obviously it's white when cooked. So it's worth worth stating, I think. And processed meat uh, refers to meats preserved by smoking, curing, salting, um, or the addition of chemical preservatives. So hence your kind of uh, your, your hams, your your bacon, your sausages, that type of stuff. Jerky. It's a, it's a fitness food. It's a fitness food. It's got to be healthy. Which again is a, I suppose it's a point, isn't it? Because if you're looking at pre-modern era-ish type things, you had to salt your food to keep it from fresh, mouldy. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, you think of obviously lots of cured foods that obviously last long. That's the that's why they're cured or built obviously yeah. for obviously um, storage. But would that, if you look at like the green zones, would nope. that blue zones? Sorry, yeah. Get your colours right. Are you colour blind? Maybe, maybe I am. No, I'm not. Uh, blue zones, yeah. Do people salt and cure their meats there? I don't know. Um, to be honest, you'd obviously have to look at each individual tribe or uh, person in that each zone, but um, I'm sure some probably will. I think it depends on whether they've got access to it, I suppose. But um, I think it's worthwhile just going through maybe some of the high-level um, evidence around what might help or increase or decrease the risk. So just well, bearing in mind, obviously, some of the things we've talked about already, that some of the evidence, albeit might be described as convincing um, or limited you kind of have to take into account that as we say most of this research is done on uh, the basis of cohorts and stuff so it isn't the most reliable albeit people still describe it as convincing because of the associated risk but um, things like so things that might have a strong evidence for decreasing risk is physical activity so that's been classified as convincing so it kind of aligns with some of the things Johnny said. So physical activity of all types, like occupational stuff, household, um, transport, recreational. So you're cycling to work as well. And obviously all your, also your actual activity you might think of, like your exercise and your gym and stuff. That's all things that has some strong evidence, um, which is pretty convincing to say that it does decrease your risk of colorectal cancer. I would imagine 
there's lots of other things in there around um, act- physical activity helps obviously like digestive system it helps digest transit if you're doing physical activity you probably have other health seeking behaviors like eating fruits and vegetables which contain lots of fiber which we also know is very good for your gut health and will decrease your risk of um, colorectal cancer so these are why these all lots of these things are all quite intertwined. So, and obviously, some of the other strong evidence about decreasing risk, um, which falls on the category of probable, is consuming whole grains, uh, foods with dietary fiber added, um, or or contains, I should say, sorry, rather than necessarily added, uh, dairy products and calcium supplements. Uh, I haven't seen the research as to why the dairy products or um, calcium supplements, but it is under as probable. So, you know. Um, and then some limited evidence on foods that contain vitamin C, fish, vitamin D, multivitamins. Um, and then there was some kind of limited but no real conclusion on things like cereals, uh, potatoes, animal fat, poultry, shellfish, other seafood, and a whole manner of other smaller minerals, which I am not going to go through and read them all. So increased risk, as you'd probably imagine, processed meats, alcoholic drinks, being overweight, and um, adult attained height. That's an interesting one. Yeah, it was saying about adult attained height is adult unlike directly risk of cancer. It's a marker for genetic and environmental, hormonal and nutritional growth factors. Yeah. Mm. So basically, I think what they're saying is that you're just more at risk once you reach your adult attained height, which kind of goes in with the age thing. Yeah. Because it's a mark of a genetic, environmental, hormonal and nutritional growth factors that affect growth during the period from preconception to completion of linear growth. They always sound like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> Sounds very good. Yeah. Um, and then probable red meat. Now, again, I would question that. I've never seen any real conclusive evidence which would even suggest probable, in my humble opinion, that red meat is associated with increased risk of those things. But it's, you know... <laughs> It's one of those things where it's hard to deny data because the data is there. It does show that correlatively, there is an increased risk for people that risk that for people that increase their red meat consumption. So, but I think um, personally, now should we round up with what our kind of estimates are, what our advice is, given what we think we or feel we know? Who would say? <clears throat> In general, what for preventing cancer, basically things well, like that. Yeah, so for like reducing your risk or of of colorectal cancer, because obviously that's what we're we're kind of mainly focused on, given the the topic. Um, but also, you know, all cancers, living a healthy lifestyle. What do you think people should worry about? What would be your advice in saying, right, this is how you should live your life, and this is what you should and shouldn't worry about? Get the big rocks sorted out first. If you're overweight, lose weight. Become a healthy weight. That's one thing. That's a huge thing for all-cause mortality, cancer. Secondly, increase your activity levels. If you don't, if you're sedentary, get some activity in. Whether that's walking, weight training, whatever. So be as active as you can, day to day. Be a healthy weight. You get those two things right. I don't know the percentage, obviously, but you're probably dramatically reducing your risk of overall death of all causes just by doing those two things. If you're worrying about red meat intake, but you're forcing overweight, 
then even if it did lower your, you know, your relative risk by a little bit by not considering red meat, your overall risk is still higher because you're overweight in the first place. So you say, well, what's the point in addressing that when you've totally missed the point of the fact you're overweight? If you get the two things right and then worry about the little things last. I mean, if you have a bit of red meat today, but you're a healthy weight, you exercise regularly, you spend time with family, don't lead a high-stress lifestyle, then you're probably just at the whim of your genetics mm-hmm. and environment. I mean, live next to, I don't know, a coal power station, you might have some issues, but at least you're controlling the stuff you control. Don't worry about red meat until you've got your big rocks sorted out in place and your overall lifestyle is healthy. I mean, it's like trying to, trying to drive a car when the wheels on. Mm-hmm. Paolo? I was going to add, obviously, the other rock. If you're a smoker, just stop. It's pointless. It's just a few stop. Times. It's that just easy. Stop. Just stop, you know. It is. Yeah. It is nowadays, to be fair, with uh, nicotine replacement products. That does make things a hell of a lot easier. Um, that, obviously, I would and um, am trying myself are to move slightly further towards a plant-based diet, increasing sort of intake on beans and other veg and stuff like that sort of cutting down i don't eat that a mass amount of red meats and sort of what i would classify as sandwich meats anyway but increasing your veg taking care of making sure you are hydrated daily just general health seeking maneuvers mm-hmm. i i um absolutely agree with both what you're saying i think they're fine uh, foundations for people to kind of think about and start on which shouldn't come to any surprise for anybody um, and I suppose I'll just leave with the message of if you're worried um, about the, the amount you're consuming probably means you could just consume too much which is probably not necessarily that your worry shouldn't necessarily be directly for things like bowel or colorectal cancer because obviously if you're consuming bacon bacon sandwiches every day for breakfast or you know like sausage and chips for tea every night there's probably other health factors, which are all the things that both of you two alluded to already that you should probably worry about rather than necessarily your risk of colorectal cancer. So yeah, for the most part, probably better if you are consuming those types of foods regularly, maybe reduce it down a bit. Um, if not for the risk of that or decreased risk of colorectal cancer, but also just for the fact that you'll probably just feel better and you'll be healthier and you'll, redu- you'll reduce your risk of all-cause mortality just by eating more fruits and vegetables, more beans, pulses, legumes, all the things you said, blah, 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 blah. So, magnifical. You've eaten McDonald's every day. Have a word with yourself. Have a, have a word with yourself, son. Unless you're just having a chicken wrap with no mayonnaise. Yeah. You're having um, what they do these days, Big Mac. Big Mac a day, we just want it. A Big Mac a day keeps the doctor away. Mm. Big Mac a day keeps the doctor in pay. Mm, yeah. yeah, true. A Big Mac a day keeps Dr. Mike in protein bars. Ugh, Dr. Mike. I saw his crisp list the other day. That annoyed me. Yeah. You can put Twiglets in there. Twiglets on the floor. Oosh, it's not crisp, but they are good. Crisp. I'm not a crisp fan either, really, Johnny. I can take I a leave. I can take it. We know you are. You're an addict. I'll take crisps over chocolate. You're an addict, but not as much as Ben. So, Ed, 
Pat's client Ben hasn't had a crisp in over a decade. What? What's wrong with him? He would. I can honestly. He's a I, I offered him two hundred pounds in cash, and genuinely, I would give it to him as well to eat a crisp, and he would f- refused. He's he's seriously worried about becoming an addict again. As in, like he thinks if he has one, that's it. He's gonna then eat bag after bag <laughs> after bag, which is outrageous. Definitely gonna send him Chris in the post. No, no, he wouldn't eat, mate. They just get burnt or binned or given to his girlfriend. But like he's, he can be around Chris. Don't get me wrong, but he won't. He just he will not touch them. He will not have a single crisp. Solid. Yeah, I know. No, I do it. Mm. On on that note, um, please, if you enjoy our podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave some reviews. We haven't had any reviews in ages. It'd be nice to get some new reviews. Um, join our Facebook group, Nolan's Nutrition. Uh, just search it on Facebook or search it on the Google machine and you'll find something, i.e. our website. Um, we got anything else to plug, shout about? Share, share our links. Links? What? Personal links or... No, no, like no. I meant people that listen to the podcast share our the link. Oh yes, to- please yeah. share the links to our socials and podcasts. So um, at Nerons Nutrition on Instagram and Facebook. I don't think we're even on Twitter, are we? I don't know. I don't no. we are. Um, and lastly, NNN ten eat lean ten percent off. <laughs> I say we didn't say anything about eat lean today. <laughs> eat lean ten percent off. New tasty slices coming out. Oh, uh, and spread, spreadables in Tesco's. Yeah, spreadables in Tesco's. Should be getting the tasty slices next week. So that's exciting. Well, they're just handy for barbecue season, aren't they? No slicing of cheese, just straight on the on the on the red meat, the processed red meat. Yeah, under a bit of bacon. Under a bit of bacon. Oh yeah. Oosh. Right. On that note, bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.